Brian Breaker. You're a little whiny baby. Bane. Don't assume my gender. Friend since the seventh grade. Yeah. You're just a bitch with his phone. F*** you. Well, sort of. One professional wrestler and one rapper get together to talk movies, comics, video games, pro wrestling, and anything that makes you say, WTF. Let's not talk about Bane's ooze. <laughs> Harry Potter erotica. Awesome in theory. Kind of a mess in practice. This is Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Oh, yeah. Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy. Grab a monster, crack it open, let's go It's time that we start the show, no hesitation, oh no The most energetic podcast of all of the podcasts So when you listen to the show, you know that it kicks ass So when I smash on these cowards like Mario did the Bowser With the best thing you've encountered since suspenders on trousers To all the haters, say howdy, make a believer from doubters Put in the stake in the shower, break up and bitch, power, power Yeah, hello, uh, hello, hello Hello, hello Welcome to the show, uh, yeah, hello, 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 welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are rolling sound, and it's episode 345 of Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Big underscore Bane, what is going on, man? Dude, not a whole lot. It's uh, it's cooling down a bit lately. So, uh, no, are you still uh, still rocking the tank tops? I, I am today, but I've also been inside the past two days at work. I was rocking a zip up hoodie though. See, a little chilly, right? Right. Not, I mean, not cold, but a little bit, a little bit chillier than we're used to. So things are uh, things are changing, turning into fall. Damn right, my type of weather. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny how, as a kid, you always like yearn for summer because that's when you're out of school. But then as an adult, you're like, Oh, I still have to work and it's hot as hell. Right. Yeah. Summer totally sucks as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the best. Uh, we have a great show today. we got some wrestling talk. Of course, we got some movie talk. We're going to do some toy talk, some chalk line talk, all that good stuff. And our guest this week, um, a journeyman pro wrestler. A lot of you are very aware of, I'm sure he had, he had uh, time in a ring of honor. He was a trainer for NXT more recently the trainer of CM Punk and Colt Cabana. I'm talking about Ace Steel will be on the show this week and next week. Nice. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. Very much looking forward to that. First time on the show too, so uh, we were able to knock that interview out just a few weeks ago. Really good stuff. Um, and I'm gonna crack here this uh, Bang Energy. I'm going with Purple Haze today, Big Bang. Okay. I know that's a that's a that's a go-to for you. Yeah, especially in the summertime, um, for me. But today. I'm cracking open this here uh, radical skedaddle. Just, just so Jeff Toon can be like, uh, yeah, uh, just, just to make <laughs> him cringe. Mm. So I wonder if Jeff likes Skittles. I, you know, I honestly don't know. Because um, that, that's the question to ask. If he's like, no, I don't. I hate Skittles. I'm like, yeah, okay. I get that then. Right, but like Skittles is just flavored sugar so I, I i mean i don't know maybe he's just so used to eating hot dogs and hot dog flavored treats that he doesn't like sweet stuff and that that's very possible i don't know it's hard to say i mean 
I haven't heard anyone be like, oh my God, I hate Skittles. They are so disgusting. You know? Right. Like, it's like, a, it's a tasty, it's a tasty treat. So right. come on. Right. I don't know. That's definitely wild. This purple haze is smooth though. Yeah. There's something about that purple haze, man. It's, it is pretty amazing. So that being said, we got uh, tagged in some tweets this past week. Uh, a new bang, a mystery flavor is uh, is upon us. Yeah. And it kind of had a an odd color combination, right? Like it didn't jump right out at me. I'm like, well, I don't know. I have a clue what this could be. Right. Yeah, because it was kind of, uh, if I remember right, it kind of had like the rainbow unicorn or radical skedaddle type colors. I mean, I think the blue is a little bit lighter, but it also had like the uh the uh, cotton candy kind of pink in there too. Ba- basically the main color is like a, like, like you said, like the lime green. And then the top is yeah. like a baby blue. Yeah. So I, I have no idea. Now I know a lot of these guessing flavors. It's like, we were never going to guess radical skedaddle or rainbow unicorn. So right. That's, that's what's interesting, but man, bang is pumping out the flavors. They really are. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this next one is good. I almost kind of wonder if it might be even kind of a, another holiday type type flavor no that's possible right Uh, i mean because uh candy apple crisp was supposed to be kind of like a holiday themed flavor yeah and i mean we're kind of getting around that time and i actually i I know like in a totally different brand but i know like mountain dew they do a a halloween flavor every year yeah you're right they do so we i mean it could be that maybe they're they're diving into more of the holiday type type drinks i don't know the the uh the validity of this but i had actually heard that um bang uh was purchased by pepsi yeah i saw somebody mention that on twitter too i wasn't sure what that was about i haven't heard anything about that but i mean it kind of makes sense because coke does monster so why not have uh pepsi do bang right i mean it, it would have been a smart brand to buy if you were a high-powered uh, soft drink company so absolutely i definitely a good decision so yeah we'll see but i, I mean i know like every time a new bang comes out isn't it just like that classic thing of like oh i can't wait to have this for the show you know it's like yes. that it's that one you can check off like oh all right another 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 exciting bang drink right <laughs> good times good times indeed um well big underscore man what do you say we dive into a little bit of wrestling talk here let's do it well here i am again talking a little pro wrestling while breaker and bay take a little break cracking them bang energies well, listen to me you two sons of bitches Get ready to talk wrestling. Stone Cold out. Oh, hell yeah. Thanks, Stone Cold. Shout out to Stone Cold. Big underscore bang. We had uh, a little bit of wrestling talk we're going to dive into. I got to talk with the, uh, the first thing first here. Because this made a lot of news and not a lot of positive news. But the WWE sending out letters that talents can no longer use third-party platforms uh, to make money, essentially. Mm-hmm. Things like Twitch, Cameo, and, and other, probably YouTube, other things they use to monetize um, whilst using their WWE name, right? Yeah. And, and that, of course, that there's been some other talk of like, well, no, you can't use your real name because we own that too, which everyone was kind of like, wait, what? They're independent contractors. How is that a, how is that a thing? Right. And, and, now, and now WWE kind of backpedaling a little bit like, oh, you know, if you want to use a Twitch or something, it's just got to be under your real name, not your WWE name or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I feel like timing is everything, especially in the wrestling business and especially right now. And I feel like this came out like the worst possible time when you probably had people – just absolutely like 
already down in the dumps. Like, hey, let's kick you in the balls while you're down there. Oh, yeah. Well, and on top of that, I mean, look at the roster right now for, for WWE. About 60% of their roster aren't on television right now. And so right now is not the time to be like, hey, you can't make extra money on the side while you're sitting at home on your ass. You know, right. I mean, if everybody was touring and doing all this stuff, I mean, they probably wouldn't even need to be on Twitch or anything like that. But They probably wouldn't have time. Right. But now, I mean, everybody's probably making a lot less money because they're staying at home, not working. And it's they got to be able to make a little extra cash somehow. And I'm glad they backpedaled, but I, I would assume it's because everybody threw a major fit about it. Well, and, and I, I think it's been no secret for a, a number of years. The whole independent contractor thing is kind of crap. Yeah. And I think when you start throwing stuff out there like this, that's when it really comes to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Because it's that it's that don't ask, don't tell. Like, hey, you're an independent contractor, but you're exclusive to us. And we tell you exactly when to go, where to go, how to go. Yeah. And the, the trade-off is we'll pay you well. Well, now it's like, hey, you're taking away my money that I can earn on my own time. Like, yep. There, there is a little bit of a huge discrepancy there. And I mean, I, again, you could fight them in court, but they have a very, very reputable lawyer on retainer. So I don't know how good of an idea that would be. It just, it's a no win situation, but it's just, to me, I, I look at it. I'm like, man, that is just absolute crap, you know, because if you want to, if you want to make them employees, make them employees, but give them benefits. Don't make them independent contractors. Yeah. Well, and you know, my whole thing with it was like, if you don't want like say, I I know Xavier Woods. They probably wouldn't even touch him. But say Xavier Woods, dude, probably makes like pretty close to an extra hundred grand a year. I mean, maybe even way more than that. I don't know. But let's say an extra hundred grand a year just on YouTube and Twitch and all that. I mean, I would be like, well, you want me to stop doing that? Compensate me for the money I'm about to lose. Pay me an extra hundred grand. Right, but again, that's not what they're wanting to do. I think their idea, and and I could be wrong on this, but I think they look at something like Cameo. Mm-hmm. And, and think like okay because i saw biggie's price tag was like 125 for a video yeah and and then it said someone showed that he had like 500 some odd reviews yeah meaning that that many people had already paid for it so it's like you start doing the math on that like damn that's a lot of money yeah now and i think what it, i think what it comes down to is wwe not necessarily wanting to stop them from doing that yeah i think they want to make that a thing so I could see them being like, oh, you want to do Cameo? No problem, but we're going to take a cut. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of something like Cameo I can kind of halfway understand because, you know, you're probably using Big E, you know, or you're probably using your wrestling name. Uh, But, like, but but I think that's where something like that probably should be governed by the company. Like, hey, we're going to have you give shout-outs to fans, you know. I mean, something like that probably should be within the company like but something like twitch or or you know any of these other streaming platforms where they're just themselves let them i mean i you really can't have any control over somebody's real name and and a company does not own somebody's legal name that doesn't make any sense at all i mean i've even heard i think i heard john cena say something about that like a long time ago on a howard stern episode he said something about how like WWE owns his government name and I know he also used his name on screen, but still, like that just doesn't doesn't compute because when you walk away from the company, you don't have to change your name. You still have your name. Of course. 
So it, the, yeah, it's, it's your intellectual property. I right. mean, like, I don't know how they could, you know, it's on your driver's license. I don't know how they can own something like that. It's just, right. There's some legal mumbo jumbo in there that doesn't make a lot of sense, I guess. But, you know, I, I also heard a big thing that they were coming down on it is because they've been trying to sell virtual meet and greets. Ah. And that is basically the same thing as Cameo, except Cameo, they make all the money, right? The talent does. Right. So that might be part of why they're trying to crack down on that. I'm not 100% sure. But like you said, there's so many little things in there, like, that don't make any sense as to why, like, they could do that. It just, it's a bad plan all in all. And I feel like me personally, WWE is pretty much consistently behind the eight ball on everything. Like oh, yeah. the pop, the podcast boom hits and, and they get a podcast. What? Five years later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, be like all these guys are making money doing wrestling podcasts. Be the first, like after you see it start to boom, mm-hmm. like as soon as you see the Steve Austin show happen, Call him up, like get out of that contract. We want to make it the WWE, like the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, not the Steve Austin show, not your own thing. We want to be a part of it, like right, yeah. That would be the first thing I would have done. But yeah. again, it's like they don't they don't see that that side of it. I guess no. I I mean I I don't know if maybe they, especially with podcasting, I don't know if they just maybe didn't see the money in it and thought it was just kind of ridiculous. I mean, they probably thought the same thing with Twitch and all and Cameo and all that stuff. Didn't really see the money in it. Right. Uh, but you know, I mean, now that, now that they do, it's pretty visible, especially in this period of time where that's really the only way to support people, you know, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it I don't know. I, I can definitely see where the thought process would change on that. Well, but not only that, like Steve Austin's show, Sam Roberts, all these guys that have podcasts that have WWE talents. Those mm-hmm. are probably their most listened to episodes, right? Oh because Yeah that's who people want to hear from. So it's like you're WWE, you have access to all these people like get in front of that and and make that a thing. Like that would have been so smart, I think. But again, that's not what they did. No. And, and I almost wonder like if it's kind of due to the fact that you want those to be outside of the WWE umbrella. Like, I don't know about you, but I know Corey Graves has that after the bell podcast or whatever it is. I haven't listened to that just because I know it's going to be kind of, you know, they're not going to say anything negative about the company. Actually, that's not accurate. He, he, he'll he call out stuff that he doesn't like. Will he? he has, he's been on record. That's actually a pretty good show. I think you would like it because it's less than an hour. Yeah. And he usually interviews two or three people an episode. Okay. Well, then, yeah, but, I, I might have to give that a shot then. But he's actually, like, went on record saying, like, he hated the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley storyline. Okay. Like he's like, why are we doing this? This is like, this is the worst thing we've ever done. Like stuff like that. Like it's pretty. I think that that's good. You know, at least give oh, people yeah. a real opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that's definitely good. I mean, I was under the assumption that if it was a WWE podcast, just because I know you know how that company is. I mean, of course, right. And so, and, I, and that's what most people probably think, and that's the problem. Like, right. Be that show that like, like have that cutting edge style show where it's like we're not going to pull any punches. We're going to be truthful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be great. But again, I think to host that, you need a non WWE person, someone that's like not scared for their job. You yep. know what I mean? Like, like Sam Roberts would actually been a good guy for that position, but they just have never done it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we also too to kind of change gears. Uh, me and you both this past weekend watched AEW All Out uh, as their latest pay per view event. Uh, what'd you think of that show, man? 
You know, it had its ups and downs. It it wasn't it wasn't the best uh, AEW show, but it it was still pretty good. I mean, there. Were, I don't know. I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't as good as I was hoping for, but sure. I mean, there were um, there were definitely some high spots. I think um, the um, oh. I'm I'm having trouble remembering her name, but uh, whoever the champion who faced Thunder Rosa. Um, oh, Hikura Shida. Hikura Shida. Yeah, that's so hard for me to remember that name for some reason. Uh, but it's I thought that match was amazing. It was very good, absolutely. Um, and I'm a huge I've been a huge advocate for Thunder Rosa pretty much ever since I found out who she was um, in Lucha Underground. But she's I'm so glad she made her way to AEW. I mean, that's that's gonna really validate the women's division i think absolutely and i don't know if she's a full-time person because i mean she's still the nwa women's champion i don't know if it's just well, yeah. a, it's just a thing but i think that that was that was definitely a cool match to have mm-hmm. um ftr against hangman page and kenny omega i thought was a f- fantastic match yeah um uh, mimosa mayhem was fun yep i thought um and i really liked mjf versus john moxley and uh you know, what's funny is we kind of talked about that off the air, and, you know, I was like, man, what I liked about this show is you put unestablished guys with established guys mm-hmm. to kind of build them. Like, MJF now seems like a heavyweight title contender, where he really didn't seem like that ahead of time. Yeah. And, you know, now you have Orange Cassidy as a main event player against Chris Jericho. I think that that's awesome. Um, and then, of course, we got to talk about that controversial Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy match. Um I've watched that back the whole match and you know, cause I think hindsight's 2020 should they have stopped it? Of course, yeah. you know, cause he was clearly not right. But after I watched it the second time, he does start kind of going back into his character yep. and I'm sure he's telling them he's okay. And they kind of break away. Then all of a sudden they start fighting again. It looked like they went right to the finish. That's at least my assumption of it. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things like we have to look at safety for for the wrestlers. Like I had some friends over watching that show, and one of the things that we kind of we kind of joked about is he takes that bump to the table, and my friends like, well, shouldn't the referee be counting to ten? I'm like, well, yes, she should be. She's not because he's jacked up, obviously. But right. it's that weird thing of like how it's not really wrestling, right? It's you know we're. We're telling the story, but he's actually hurt, so I can't count because he's probably not going to get up. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I was, I really felt like it should have been stopped too. But again, like you said, they he went back into his character, and I mean, he did stumble quite a bit after he tried to get up that first time. But then, yeah, that was that was that was scary. Yeah, and but a couple minutes afterwards, he you know he seemed like he was okay. I'm sure he was telling everybody he was fine. He was back in character and everything like that. But I would have felt like that that should have been stopped too. I mean, but then again, I mean, a young company, you probably that's probably the first time you faced that situation. I mean, Mm -hmm. you probably have no idea what to do. Well, and if you have a talent telling you he's fine, I just let me go right to the finish. I can do it. I can do it. I'm fine. Right. You're going to tend to believe the talent is fine. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously it was a nasty fall, but what's weird about that is like looking at that fall again, 
based on where the lift was and where the tables were set up, I don't know how that could have went, you know, good. Like, I don't know how that could have went well. You know what I mean? Like the trajectory of it, it's like, how, how did you think you were going to hit the tables as high up as it was? Right. Like, obviously when he, when he spears you off, you're going to go out a little ways. You're not straight down. So I don't know if that was just not well thought out because they did raise the lift. So maybe they raised it too high. I don't know, but there was something about that. It's just like even looking at it the second time after I knew what happened, I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. He's going to almost miss that table. And yeah. he basically did. He went right over it. Yeah. Well, and and also, too, I mean, I, I know those tables break your fall, but it doesn't look like it's very by very much. And, I mean, no matter what, he was going to fall through that table and go straight onto concrete. And it pretty scary little deal no matter which, which way it's sliced. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So – I know they cut a lot of flack there, but I feel like, and this is just me personally, when AEW makes a bad mistake, people just want to jump all over them. And like you said, they're a new company. But they've been around like two years now? Yeah, yeah, two years, maybe a year and a half. I don't know. About a year and a half probably. Yeah. Like because Double or Nothing was their first pay-per-view, and they just had the second one a few months ago. So I don't know. It is what it is. I I just can't imagine that that's – that that it's and again i i understand that you need to have medical protocols in place and stuff but sure i mean w like i've said before wwe finished a show when a guy died you know and yeah you know being carted away at the ring and and all this stuff i mean like yeah it was a scary moment but i feel like wwe had i mean wwe had mankind go off the hell in the cell twice and what what's not talked about is he came out in the main event did a run-in yeah you know like that's that's crazy, and I, I understand it was 1998 and things were different, but damn, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I still to this day watch it because I, I mean, every now and then I turn that match on. I mean, get, like, watching that match t- even to this day is like, how the hell did that man survive that shit? Because mm-hmm. that was not not just one big fall. Like, I mean, you know, a lot of shows now will have, like, one big moment in a match, and it's like, that was, like, three yeah, in, in in one match, and it was like, what the hell? Yeah, and and it just, I don't know, it was just pretty crazy. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, AEW also made some news this week uh, with the debut of well, Kip Sabian announced on All Out that he was getting married to Penelope Ford, and his best man would be announced on uh, on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think much about that, but the best man ended up being Miro, aka the former Rusev. That was kind of a a surprise acquisition for AEW, I thought. Yeah, well, and, and oddly enough, just because of the coincidental story of him getting married and the way uh, Mike Bennett's character was in WWE, that's who I thought it was going to be, was Mike Bennett. Oh, thought, that, that could have made sense, yeah. I, I thought that was kind of where they were going, and so for me, Miro was com- a huge shock. Um but a a very welcome surprise. I, I'm I'm happy to see him wrestling again. I, I think he's he's going to be a great. He's a guy that um, I think I've told you off air. I don't really feel like there's a whole lot of main event guys in AEW right now. He's a guy that I feel like could easily be main event no matter what company he's in. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what's funny is I've I've heard he's pretty anti WWE right now. I guess um, yeah. he said in one interview that. Vince McMahon had told him that when they are chanting Rusev Day, they are mocking you. Yeah, I never understood that. I don't either. Like, it was like that, that was one of those things that was like the most over thing in the company. It's kind of like Mizdow. Yeah. Like, 
what for whatever reason people are into this like why are you why are you diminishing it i don't understand that yeah and it could be it could be one of those cases of him him trying to just keep keep rusev down on the pegs you know not let him think that he's better than what he is or sure you know i mean I don't know, but I, I know for me, when, when I was uh, here in Rusev Day, I never felt like it was to laugh at him. You know, it, it it really felt like fans were behind him. They were. I think they were ready for him to get a push, and had he gotten a push from that more than he got, I think they would have been all about it. So, yeah. again, it's just case in point of it is what it is. I, I hope now he can go to AEW, because from what I understand, he's signed. He's a, he's a guy there now. Hell yeah. And, um, you know, rub it in their face and become a top guy. I think him and Lance Archer would be a, an amazing feud, you know? Yeah. Now, that's that's one thing we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Lance Archer is the new uh, number one contender, pretty much. He won that he battle is. royal. He, he won that uh, that casino battle royal. Uh, I think Lance Archer is one of those guys. He kind of falls into that category of he's kind of main event or nothing, you know? Like, there's not yeah. – it's hard for him to be just like randomly on the card. So I thought he was, it was cool seeing him, um, you know, uh, win that match. Also too, uh, we saw the debut of Matt Seidel in that match. Yeah. And he took a very the unfortunate swirl. Yeah. He, um, not, I've never seen him mess up a shooting star press. So that was kind of disappointing. That was like his first thing he did. Right. Well, and I've never really seen him mess up anything. I mean, it's been a while yeah. since I've seen an Evan Bourne match, but I, I don't feel like I've ever seen him mess up anything. And so when I saw that, I knew, I knew it wasn't just him getting overexcited. Like you could tell he slipped, and his foot does slip out. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, so obviously it was too much sweat or something on those ropes in that turnbuckle. Well, I know like those type of ropes. What a lot of people don't know is it's like a PVC that goes over the cable. Yeah, and Sometimes what can happen is if that PVC is not taped down, it will just roll. Ah. And not a huge deal when you're running the ropes and stuff, but if you're going to try to climb, that thing will just roll right underneath your foot. And, yeah, there's no way to maintain balance. Yeah. Sheesh. Well, I'm, I'm glad he's okay because he, he seemed like he landed kind of flat on his back. Yeah, it definitely could have been a lot worse, that's for sure. But I think he realized the slip and he just tried to recover the best he could. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely uh, – Definitely cool to see him there. I just wish it was a little bit of a smoother debut. But uh, Big Underscore Bane, what do you say we dive into a little bit of movie talk here? Let's do it. This is Breaker and Bane up at the movies. This is Breaker and Bane up at the movies. This is Breaker and Bane up at the movies. This is Breaker and Bane up at the movies. All right, fellas. Go ahead and take it from here. What you got now? All right, I'll tell you what we got now. Uh, Big underscore Bane, how about the announcement? Uh, Will Smith, we talked about it last week. They announced the Fresh Prince um, reunion show. It's going to be on HBO Max. And Will Smith actually tweeted out a picture of all the cast kind of in that old set, which was really fun. Even a picture of him and uh, the original Aunt Viv. Right, which uh, there's been long-standing rumors that they had a bit of a falling out on stuff. Yeah, so that was exciting. I thought so too. Um, but uh, he he had mentioned that I guess Pe- Peacock, someone had sent him a script or an idea of a drama of the Fresh Prince, where this kid is like in trouble, 
shows him like getting uh you know handcuffed by the police and really in a bad way mm-hmm. and basically taking that story and not making it a comedy making it a drama yeah um and I, and they're just going to call it Bel Air and I'm like man that that's kind of a cool idea and I guess Peacock was so into it of course Peacock is the NBC streaming service they gave it a 2 year uh um run basically uh so which never happens in tv so i thought that that was a pretty cool thing so they obviously have high hopes for this i don't know when it's going to be debuting but i think that's kind of a kind of a fun new idea yeah and i don't know if you actually saw the uh the little short film when when it originally came out i mean i feel like it's been about three or four years now since it actually came out it was just some little fan film that somebody did about like three or four minutes long if i remember right and it was just this really cool dramatic way of telling the story of of uh, the Fresh Prince, and it was really pretty damn cool. I didn't even know Will Smith had ever heard about it, but I'm glad mm-hmm. to find out that he did and that he pushed it along to try to get it going. So I'm yeah. excited about that. I think that'll be great. I think so too. I think it's a really cool idea for sure. Also, you know, there's so much negative now in the media that I was very happy to see this. Someone has put out a picture that Sean Weiss, who is uh, Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks has uh, been in rehab and has now been sober since like January. He has new teeth. He looks like he's put some weight on. Mm-hmm. Um, so much negative out there. I was so happy to see because he looked like Goldberg again. Like he looked yeah. like himself. That was so refreshing to see that, man. Yeah, well, I feel like when when he kind of resurfaced with, with his old, uh, his issues, we had talked about it and how sad it was and, and on, on the show. And I'm super happy to see him kind of – starting to get back to normal and and in rehab and uh, however many months sober. I think that's fantastic, man. I'm super happy about that. Yeah, definitely. Because I, you know, I feel like it's easy to kick someone while they're down, but yeah, let's celebrate the fact that he's doing better and he looks better and everything. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's been a, a story going for a while that I knew mighty ducks was going to be on Disney plus at some point. And I think it was actually going to be a series and Emilio Estevez is, uh, is slated to return in it. And I think some of the old cast members might be making small appearances or guest starring roles and things like that. And I had heard that they weren't going to use Sean Weiss, but I hope they do because I think having him on now, knowing he's had issues, that would be a good thing. It would definitely be good press for them. I, I feel like, I mean, especially now that yeah. he's on the road to recovery. I mean, right. I feel, celebrate those good stories. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it might be a good distraction for him that, and get him back in with the right crowd, you know, and yes. And help him out along the way. Cause he, I mean, he, he's going to need help. I mean, he can't do that shit alone. I mean, that stuff's, that stuff's hard to go through. Definitely. Um, last bit of news here on the movie talk, um, a new show from TBS called the go big show, which is kind of an odd name, but it's, it looks a little bit like America's got talent type of show. But one of the uh, judges, uh, none other than the American Nightmare, Cody. Okay. When, uh, I thought that was kind of shocking, but shows that maybe that they have some faith in AEW to kind of push it on on their sister network there. Yeah. You know what's funny is I hadn't heard about this until you mentioned it, and when I saw the show notes, I saw Go Big Show, and I was like, what the hell did Big Show do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, apparently, it's, it's going to be like um, – like America's Got Talent. There's a trailer out there, which I recommend uh, checking out if you haven't. And it's going to be like America's Got Talent, but way more over the top, I yeah. guess. Like way crazier stunts and things of that nature. So it could be kind of fun. I don't know. Like if you're into those competition reality shows, a lot of people are. I've 
I've dabbled in them, but to me, they've always been like, a, I'll watch it if it's on, but I've never seeked them out. And especially now with me watching basically everything through streaming, I can't imagine I'll watch this. No, I mean, I, I've, I feel like America watched, you know, American Idol back in the day when it was first few seasons. And I sure. mean, but I, I haven't really watched any of those types of shows since then. And there, there really hasn't been any of them that have really even intrigued me enough to want to watch them. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'll be checking this out, but I think it's cool that um, Cody gets to play a part in one of these. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. But I think a lot of that too, though, man, is you get off work, you get home, you turn the TV on, you flip the channels and, you know, American Idol's on or The Voice yeah. is on. Like that was kind of what television was in those days. Now I look at Netflix and I spend 45 minutes trying to figure out what to watch, you know, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> not watching anything. It's just, it's a different, it's a different thing. And the fact that you have full seasons and full series of so many shows mm-hmm. right there at your fingertips, it's like, well, I don't need to watch. I don't need to flip the channels anymore. It's, we watch TV very differently. Um, but uh, anyway, what do you say we uh, dive into a little bit of toy talk here? Let's do it. Here we go, open the box, it's the part of the show We'll break your remain, do a bit of toy talk Here we go, open the box, it's the part of the show We'll break your remain, do a bit of toy talk Alright, so Big Underscore Bane, you know, we kind of We both have made the mention here That we're very, we're pushing away from Funko Pops, right? We're not really like super into them like we used to be they were a fad i think very much and i I know they're still popular and people still dig them but and there's some stuff that comes out that i'm like oh that's really cool but there's not a ton where i'm like oh man i gotta get everything and um, a few months ago we revealed the uh dc um uh, holiday funko pops which i thought that was like the first set i'd seen in a while where i was like damn those are really cool you know because yeah it's you know it's batman and the joker and so on as as holiday themed characters christmas decorations which i know you're a big fan of that and i think that that's really cool well to just today they revealed as we record this um some dc superhero looney tunes uh crossover pops so you get bugs bunny and superman the taz is flash and, and all that stuff and it's, it's just one of those things where I remember having a McDonald's toys of these of those characters back in the day. And that crossover type stuff is pretty cool. Um, this entire set is FYE exclusive, so it's going to be Bugs Bunny as Superman. you got Lola Bunny as Wonder Woman. Taz as The Flash, which I think is probably the coolest pop of the set. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sylvester as Batman, and then Wiley Coyote as Cyborg, which that one's pretty damn cool, too. Um, what do you think about this, man? Like, this is a cool idea. I love the crossover sets. I think this is more what Funko needs to do because these are one-offs and it's like, I got to get the whole set, right? Yeah, I, I, I totally dig it. And I mean, I think we talked off air, like back in the early nineties, McDonald's had a run of, uh, Looney Tunes, DC crossover figures. And yes. The, but other than that, this is the first time I've, I've, you know, since then that I feel like I've seen it. So I think it's a really great idea. I mean, I, I think I can easily pass on them for myself just because it, it goes back to the whole thing of, you know, how many do you really need? Um, but and the answer is none. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but I, I'm looking at that Taz right now and it's like, that's just such a incredible way to do that figure because he's 
literally in inside of his little tornado and and it's mm-hmm. just really well done that figure's really well done and then even the lola bunny i think that's pretty a, a cool addition because she was just a space jam character until correct uh, and, and until then she didn't exist so i think it's cool that she um is kind of being utilized in this i think it's pretty cool yeah, I just think it's a fun idea because it's a crossover of two brands that I enjoy. You know, and like I said, no different than the, the DC Holiday ones. It's like, oh man, the Joker and he's holding a present, but it's a bomb. Like that's right. That's fun. You know, like that's that's stuff that I think would be cool. And you know, we've mentioned it before, but like they they did the Ninja Turtle WWE crossover uh, figures. Why not pops of that? That would be great. Yeah, I would absolutely love. And, and with pops, you could do so many more. You know, I mean, in pretty easily, I feel like. Because how yeah. quickly they bust these things out, I feel like they could easily do like go through the whole main roster right now with the turtles in just a just a few months. And I mean, and honestly, I I know in the past there was a little bit of a partnership with WWE and WB. We could even see. I mean, I wouldn't even mind a Looney Tunes WWE crossover. Well, I think any type of crossover has appeal, you know, and that's, and that's the cool thing about it, you know. But again, the, this is this is tough because these are all entirely FYE exclusive, the entire set. That doesn't happen very often. No. So and, that might be something more they do. I don't know. And also, too, you and me, we don't have any FYEs very close to to us. So, And that's another thing. So we're either driving an hour and a half or ordering online. So, right. Yeah. Another, another tough deal. Yeah. But, uh... Anyway, let's uh, let's take a break from this. Let's get a steal on the show, and then me and Bane will be back to close it up. Boom! It's time for the interview segment on Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, and I am being joined here via Skype by the one and only Ace Steel. Ace, what's going on, man? Not too much. How you do? Not too much. Not too much. How you doing? It's, it's I'm in the wrestling early, room. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm in the wrestling room, so I got wrestling on the brain. So yeah, I hear that, man. I hear that. So are you still down in Orlando? I am. I am going to, unless uh, something takes me across the world. I want to live and die here. I love Florida. So I, I lived in Tampa, which you know is not too far from where you're at. Probably about an hour and a half or so. I lived there for about sure. a year. And uh-huh. when I when I left NXT, that was a big that was a big choice. It's like okay, I have really no reason to stay, but man, I love it here. Sure. Yeah, it's just oh, it's just an amazing amazing place. Love living in Florida. Um, I, the fact that I could wear shorts in December was amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely that's a catch for me. I I moved down here officially in November of last year, and. You know, the worst it got was around my birthday time in, in January, where it was maybe 40 degrees or so, and we were wearing sweatshirts and maybe a light coat. But yeah, definitely shorts. That you know, if I never have to see snow again, except on the news, I'm good. <laughs> well, like snow, people talk about it like it's so great until you start to have to drive in it and stuff. Like when you're a kid, you have snow days at school, but right you know, when it's like real life, you still have to go to work. It's not that exciting. No, not at all. I mean, I recall having when I lived in Chicago was actively working as an adult, like working a regular job. And we had one day where it was just kind of blizzardish, but we still had to go out the next day. And I had to like walk down the city block in, you know, you know, knee high, waist high snow. And I'm like, this just sucks. I never want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fact if you've ever had to like, you know, 
chip ice away from your windshield when it's like zero degrees, then it'll it'll change your mind rather quickly. Oh yes. So I mean, you mentioned being in Chicago. Is that is that kind of where you got your start at in wrestling? Is in the Chicago area? That's exactly right. Uh, right when I graduated high school in 1991, um, I enrolled at Windy City Wrestling. Uh, to be determined on the month, maybe if I asked my mom, she would recall. But you know, you figure if I graduated in June, I'm sure I started up in July or August of that year and uh, was off and running. So you're 18 years old, I imagine thereabouts. Um, was, exactly. Were you a Were you a fan as a kid? Is it or is it something you were always wanting to do? There's only one portion of my life that I recall not being a wrestling fan and when we would visit my grandma and my mom's family in Oklahoma where my dad would actually catch TBS wrestling because they had cable TV down there you know it wasn't it wasn't really in the middle of Chicago we had all the cable channels accessible to us and I wanted to watch cartoons and not wrestling you know and my dad wanted to watch you know TBS Georgia Championship or you know whatever NWA was on and uh, now I've loved wrestling ever since I can remember so obviously that it's a no-brainer. You wanna you wanna get into wrestling. Um, you're 18 years old. You're out of high school. You know it's it's you know time to time to join in. Was it what mm-hmm. you expected? Was it harder? I mean, I know for me, like I I felt like I knew what to expect, but I absolutely had no idea once I actually got into it. Um, I I'd like to say that I kind of knew what I was getting into, but you know not so much training wise. I have an odd an odd thing that I did when when uh, myself and Danny Dominion were in high school and, and another friend of mine ours from high school, we found something called a ring event, which is a fans convention that allowed you to get in a ring and actually perform. It was ridiculous to put. We were sixteen years old. <laughs> so much liability, and, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's insane. I don't recall if my mom actually. My mom was there, is in Madison, Wisconsin, and I don't recall if she signed a waiver. Or I don't. I, you know, I really don't know. Once again, I have no idea, but this would be my first time getting in a ring. And mind you, all we had were our backs, our, our backyard or pool wrestling things that we did, trying moves and all kinds of crap like that. And Billy Anderson, a uh, renowned announcer and wrestler enhancement guy from California, was brought in for this. And he just kind of policed around and made sure we weren't killing ourselves. And then we were able to do a match. So... I had an idea. I don't. I can't imagine if I took falls or bumps. I really don't recall too much about it. But like we performed drop toe holds, indeed easy moves. Where you know, as long as we weren't killing ourselves, they let us, uh, you know, get out there and go. So when I got to actually get in and uh, go to Windy City to the school, I, I, I mean, the fear was gone for a lot of things. So, you know, and, and I could run the ropes. There's actually a videotape out there. I was talking to someone about this not long ago. It's Secrets of Pro Wrestling, and not the one that Harley was involved in. Um, it's it's a videotape. If you look it up, it's all on YouTube. But it talks about working the left side, and it just pulls out all these secrets. You know, it's, it was a VHS tape we rented at a video store. And, you know, all of it, it told me how to run the ropes, told me how to do this, told me how to do that. I mean, it was really the first expose that I that I'd ever seen, and it kind of held true. So, and I have no clue who the wrestlers were in it. I haven't even researched it since then. But, well, it's like I remember, you know, um, when Tough Enough, the very first one happened. I was in high school at that point, and that's when they kind of broke down. And they, they didn't break down everything, but they kind of broke down the, uh, you know, how to take a correct back bump and stuff like that. So, uh, when I got into training, I kind of had an idea, at least like 
keep your chin tucked. You know, the the, the bare basics. Not that it sure. helps to do it, but anytime you have a little bit of like um, knowledge going in, I think it does make it a little bit easier in that regard. Oh, definitely. And and not to say that I was a know it all by by any means. I just listened and some of the things that I had already kind of picked up, you know, just roughly from these, from, from this videotape and whatnot. I, I was, a, I mean, I was able to just apply and go, Hey, kid, kid can run the ropes already. Okay. Move on. You know? Right. Well, and I mean, I know, um, <laughs> there were so many people that we saw come and go through the training school at WLW that wanted to run the ropes and they realized that actually it hurts more than you think because they're, they're <laughs> exactly. And exactly. they start doing it a few times. They're like, Oh man, this, this doesn't feel very good. Right. It's right. Amazing. Uh, the first rope, so they had cable there. I, I don't know if how you were taught initially that they teach you to use use the, uh, like, hit them from the side. Steamboat kind of hits them that way. It's very old school to hit them from the side, and so you have the big bruise on your ass, like on the side, like on your hip. Is that how they taught you? Actually, Harley was very against anyone that hit him on their side. He would, um, oh. when he was still kind of, you know, because there was those periods where he was very... He would watch real closely, and then other periods where he wouldn't as much. But when when I first started, he was watching real closely, and if anyone came in that was trained a little bit differently and did kind of hit him on their side, he would stop it right away, like flat back every time. So, ah, uh, interesting. But I, I know for me, even trying to hit him on my side, that hurt a lot more than just flat on my back. Oh, indeed, yeah, and that's how, and I I ended up doing the flat back eventually, and as long as I had my balance and kept my feet in front of me. Nobody corrected me from that point on about, you know, how I ran the ropes because I ran, you know, I was very fluent going back and forth. I didn't step on myself or tumble anywhere. So I think it was more of a ball busting thing to keep that idea that you're going to hit him on the side. So you end up with the bruise under your lat and on your hip and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I just to me, there's some things that just seem like a ball busting thing, just like an initiation to see if you're going to stick it out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that that's just kind of, you know elements of wrestling anyway like you're gonna take you know 100 hip tosses because eventually it's gonna start to hurt you know you're gonna or you're gonna jam your heels into the mat i mean all that stuff that we all go through especially early on right. just tears your body apart so now as you as you got into training and stuff in chicago were you pretty much hitting the road um pretty quickly as far as independent wrestling no i didn't know what independent wrestling was i didn't know that i was actually in independent i mean you could say definitely I knew it was independent, but Windy City was proposed to us as a closed shop. You train there, you work there, you went nowhere else. So although I paid the train there, there were dues monthly to use the gym. And then depending, so funny how it worked on taxes that first year when I was presented a 1099, which I had no idea what that was. My dues for that year, they basically canceled out because in little that we didn't know anything back then about you know, whatever, or taking a loss on wrestling and get some money back, like on a new business and things like that. It was, or, or any deductions. I mean, that was it as far as deductions went. I would work once a month for Windy City, and I had to pay dues once a month, and that just canceled each other out. So at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> quite quite a, a plan there, huh? <laughs> oh, what a freaking work. Oh, kind of genius in a way. And I mean, when you look at it, though, the place I went to and I searched schools left and right, you always read about the Heart Dungeon up in Calgary, sure. which if it, if that's the time frame, uh, it was my good buddy Paul Lazenbeef, who's a stuntman in Vancouver. He trained with uh, Lance Storm and Chris Jericho. 
and they would have broken in just a bit before I did, I think, if time serves correctly. I'd have to look up yours exactly. But they were running the school, actually. I don't even think, you know, uh, any of the hearts were there running the school at all. Bruce was doing anything with it, you know. Um, so I looked at the, the hearts. I looked everywhere that had a school, the Monster Factory. And then, lo and behold, there's Windy City Wrestling in Chicago. They were on Sports Channel uh, in Chicago. That, and they were on every, like, Friday night, I think it was. Uh, late night, maybe the ten thirty or so. Ten thirty. It depended. It depended on whatever like hockey game or Bulls game was being shown on Sports Channel, that they would keep their time slot. And so to me, I was like, well, this is legit. And Paul Heyman used to work. He worked there with the original Midnight Express. I knew that he booked the territory there just a little bit, so it looked more like a wrestling territory to me, like an extension of the old AWA of sorts. Even though AWA was still around, because they used Bruiser Brody, they used Bam Bam Bigelow, they were using name guys. So I was like. This is a spot to go. This is just as good as anywhere else, and I can watch it on TV. And when I started wrestling, I ended up being on TV on Friday nights. So it was it was a cool thing, but I didn't know what else was out there. I didn't know how you branch out and go get yourself bookings. I had no idea how that worked. Well, and even in those days, I mean, I know even today, sometimes it's hard to find, if you don't know any knowledge, hard to find like an actual wrestling school without doing some mm-hmm. research. So. Like you said, you know, you're you're getting paid exactly what your gym dues are, so it cancels out. I mean, like that's kind of you know, that's kind of par for the course with a lot of wrestling. You know, you pay a lot of money and then you then you only work one place, but you don't get paid that much. I mean, it's just part of the business, I guess, especially early on and um and trying to venture out and stuff sometimes isn't the easiest thing to do, especially if you have no connections. Exactly. And and actually what this is funny that how Florida ties in is that uh, so in 1993, I had gotten a job with, uh, I got, got a shoot job that had training down here in Florida, actually in the Clearwater area. So I came down here for three months for job training and had no idea what was going on. So I left Windy City Wrestling. And so I'm a, I'm a trained wrestler at this point. I've been working for two years, roughly about. And uh, I get down here. And I just pick up a local paper, and there it is. There's wrestling at what I didn't know was how famous it was, was the Sportatorium, 106 North Albany in Tampa. And, I mean, there's all the legendary stuff that's happened there. Hogan got his leg broke, you know, there. And, you know, that's where uh, Eddie Graham had an office. Steve Curran had an office. All these guys. uh, You run up and down about 106 North Albany. That's where the TV tapings were. So I take my happy butt up to Tampa one day. And I just walked in on this, like, rinky-dink indie show. And, you know, there's probably about 20 people in the crowd, I'm just going to estimate. And the guys were varying degrees of good. It's, it was typical indie, just, just like you'd see now. And I walked up to, uh, it would be the Cuban assassin, Fidel Sierra. He probably has no recollection. I'm sure he doesn't at all. <laughs> and I said, hey, I'm a, I'm a worker from Chicago. Uh, how do I work shows? And he's like, Come in Tuesday night and train with the guys. We'll see what you got. So I rolled in the ring that following Tuesday, started working around with the guys just on the fly. They were like, okay, you can work the next few. So I ended up working shows for the next three months, which showed me right. You know, I called my mom up and said, mom, will you send my wrestling boots? And she's like, what do you need them for in Florida? I'm like, there's wrestling. Got to do it. And, you know, that pretty much popped my cherry for what the independents were. And then from then on out, I would just start working different places. Well, and that's and that's what's so funny about it is like you know you go to a new place that it kind of that's how it kind of goes like if you would have made a maybe a cold call 
uh, it may have not worked, but, you know, actually showing up and talking to someone, well, let's see what you got. Okay, this guy can work, we'll use him. You know, it's kind of that right. be in the right place, right time mentality. Because I know a lot of people send emails and, you know, Facebook messages and that like that this, these days. And that can work, I'm sure. But actually showing up and talking to someone and being like, hey, I want to work. And, and usually that will work a lot better. Yeah, there's no substitute for showing your face. Whether you and I and I don't ever want anyone to bastardize himself and go places for free for the rest of their lives. Right. But you've got to show up and make a connection. I mean, I, I just told a story not too long ago about going to Ring of Honor. Um, we worked for the Blue Meanie for three his three PW company at the arena the same night Ring of Honor had a show across town in Philly, and Meanie was kind enough to us because he knew. Uh, we were headed that way to work, but just to go across town and leave the show and go shake hands at Ring of Honor, like he took no offense to it. They were they were competition, but not really. Right, um, it's two different fan bases in a, in a way, if you can believe that about a you know about indie wrestling of sorts. And we went over and shook hands. You know, the first time I think I face to face met Gabe Sapolsky. So we went around, shook hands with talent, people we knew, and just made an appearance. I didn't get paid for that. Right. <laughs> You have to make that connection. It's just like anything in business. It's a job interview. Think of it that way. Invest in yourself. Hop in a car. Go somewhere. Shake hands. Hey, maybe I don't have a spot for you this time. And help out, by the way. Help out with the ring. No one's too proud to do that stuff. And then, I mean, if, like I said, don't bastardize yourself. If you go there a time or two and nothing happens or there's no bite or you don't get a chance to get work, then I, I'd leave it be. But you need to do that on your own. Well, and I think that is one of those things you have certain people that may become too proud to, you know, help out with the ring or, oh, I'm, I'm better than that or I'm this or that. I mean, obviously a guy you know very well, I think I, I told you the story, I was in NXT and he was the WWE champion at the time. He came down for a uh, just a guest appearance. He was about uh -huh. to leave and everyone was tearing down the ring. I say everyone. There was about 10 of us out of 50. And <laughs> he jumps right in the middle of the ring and starts handing us boards and handing us um, uh, like the, the frame pieces. At which point, everybody just swarms because that, that, that ego checked everybody, right? Everyone's like, oh, I got to help now because he's helping. Uh -huh. And it was just one of those things where I think... I don't know why he did it. I think maybe just thought, eh, why not? Let's just see what happens. And it, it's funny how everyone immediately, their whole mentality changed in that moment. Yeah, it's amazing. I've seen Haku do it. I mean, I, I remember vividly Haku in Sedalia, Missouri, grabbing the ring, grab, just grabbing boy, And I was helping anyway. I usually did. It's, it was all hands on deck for, for Harley. And so if anyone was lollygagging, like you had no excuse. Right. Haku at this point at various points way before that should have never had to grab any piece of the ring. And he was doing it. He was doing it just because, just because of his respect for Harley and ultimately his respect for the business too. This is what you do. If you're one of the boys, you do this. He was being a part of the show. So I, I think that that says a lot. And like, no one's going to tell Harley, no, I don't want to tear apart the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. I, I guess you could, but it would not be a, not be a smart move. No, different set of circumstances, exactly, from, like, any any type of developmental into that. I mean, there were guys in OVW at the time that would come off the road, and you'd see them kind of helping. And then there were also the guys that were the workhorses taking up, you know, tearing down the ring, putting it up. You know, you saw them all the time working on it. and But you get those guys that got a little taste of the road, and they'd come back with that, like, oh, I don't, you know, they find other things to do as opposed to, 
really helping pick up boards and beams and things of that nature. I was at an indie show a couple of years ago, and no one knew how to tie down the canvas tight. And so I was showing them all, like, well, here, here's how you do it. And one guy's like, well, I've never been a Boy Scout. So I was like, I haven't either, pal. I've just put a ring together a thousand times. <laughs> It's like they don't teach you how to put a ring mat on a ring in Boy Scouts. You know, that's it's doing it. It's being on the road. That's always my joke. It's like I don't know how to tie a knot. I'm not a Boy Scout, but yeah, that's exactly right. I can tie a knot. I can I can make a knot right here and, and tie it down. Shit, I tied one down the other night where I'm I'm training kids at. Uh, the guy who who owns the training center was like, hey, I just got had the canvas washed. Do you mind tying it down? Some and tightening it up. Not a problem. I'll do it when I get there. You know, yeah. it's it doesn't take doesn't take very long and. Geez, if that's all you got to do, come, come on, people. It's not yeah. that hard. Look up tying like, knots on YouTube. Yeah, I, I do like to hear that he's washing the canvas because a lot of shows aren't doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially nowadays. Like, that's obviously very important. But, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned going to Ring of Honor, kind of making some contact, talking to some people. Um, is that kind of what led to you getting that run there in Ring of Honor? Because I remember when I kind of first got exposed to ROH was probably around 05, 06, and you were uh, pretty prominently featured at that point. Uh, that would be exactly be right. Um, so Punk and Cabana were the first to to branch out that way uh, because they were they were traveling way way more in indies. And my goal at that time was really just to get to Japan. That's all I really wanted to do. So that was my focus. I, I had a uh, I was very one sided that way. This is this is this is my line of sight. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. So everything I mostly did in my eyes was geared towards doing that, which is where Harley comes into everything. Um, Ring of Honor happens, and Punk and Gabbana are booked. And Gabe Sapolsky was talking to Punk. He's like, I don't know a lot of guys in the Midwest who out who else is out there. And he's like, and Punk and I were roommates at the time. And he's like, well, you know, the guy who trained me, Ace. Like you haven't seen him work? No. So there you go. Uh, let's let's. They were filming something. We worked in Pittsburgh for I think Norm Connors. Uh, the three of us did. We drove out there, and because at the time it was RF Video, the same guy Doug Gentry had saw me work. Was an you know he was kind of Italian talent evaluator for Gabe, and then came back and said, yeah, you know, just just gave me the stamp of approval. Gabe saw it. So yeah, Gabe took a liking to me and he had the angle in mind between uh when we would form the second city saints and that formed out of punk's feud with raven so like he had the idea i believe to have the punk and raven feud and that started in roh and that's what pretty much spawned you know the second city saints coming together very cool and i I know obviously i think punk probably left what oh five oh six somewhere in there and yes he made his way to ovw um you eventually also um, went down to OVW a little. Is a little bit after him though? I think right. Yeah, Punk would have left. I think in 05 is a whole summer of Punk thing. I think. I want to say that's right. Um, yeah, he went to he went to OVW in 05, and so 06. You've got you know probably one of my like I've had a lot had a lot of good stuff happen. 06 was the uh, Cage of Death, so I was pretty prominently featured, like you said, in Ring of Honor, doing a lot of stuff. Through the years, I, I had different intervals where I did a lot of things. And as I told Gabe that I unbooked myself, and he's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I had Japan on the books, and Ring of Honor was only doing once, twice a month. So when I'd go, inevitably, when i do a tour of Japan, 
I'd miss out on a couple of really cool Ring of Honor bookings. Right. And then eventually I just wouldn't like get myself back around. I just was working other places. But in 07, I was signed to developmental in uh, OVW. So, um, but did Japan happen before OVW, the first time you went over there? Oh, yeah. Japan happened in 03. At the was end of 03, was, was my Noah? first tour. Yeah, I've only ever gone for Noah. I obviously you you mentioned before Japan was a was a place you definitely wanted to go. What was that like to uh, to get that call to say you're going to go work for Noah over there? And like you said, probably a month long tour or so. Yeah, it, oh, it was amazing. It's it's everything. It's it's always uh, I I always say this about your wrestling career: be careful what you wish for because it definitely could come true. So I was just like anything. I was this is this is how my wrestling career goes. I really want something. I work towards it, and nothing happens. And then about a year later, six months to a year later, you know, it happens when I went, not, not exactly when I stopped trying, but when I stopped putting so much effort into that goal, I, I shifted my sights and then it just falls in your lap. And that's kind of what happened with Japan. I had been seen by the NOAA office already. And about a year later is when they contacted to get me in. And then I got to go over from, from, they had their, their, uh, set, uh, guy gene talent that they brought over and i would come in in intervals and i got to do about five tours over the next few years and i would always do the long ones i do the ones that were no, normally i'd get on the, the three week three and a half week tours it's it's awesome over there i i've always enjoyed I, you know i've only got to go to japan three times but still it was so much fun and there was something really cool about getting to work basically every single day i mean you might have a travel day here and there but for the most part right. You're you're working just about every day. Oh yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Oh yeah, in your original question, I'm sorry, I didn't quite answer that. It was I felt like a little kid when I first got there. I remember my first day there, and the the guys tell me, yeah, there's a subway over here, and you walked out of the Washington Hotel, and I found my way to the subway, and I, it was just amazing. How do I order food? How do I do anything? How do I talk to people? Like I, I just don't know what to freaking do until I you know I'd go to the McDo I knew how to just lumber down to the McDonald's and order some pancakes and uh, uh, whatever whatever from McDonald's down there or anywhere for that matter. I, I it just the, just the evolution of me being there for the first time like a scared kid going, holy cow, I actually made it here to everyday business, you know. And you I'm sure you have this, the, the same feeling like. Ooh, this is going to be crazy. And then next thing you know, it's everyday business for you. Oh yeah. And, and what was, you talked about ordering food. Like that was always kind of a thing for me. Cause I'm like, Hmm, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there. I'm not too sure about, mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, you start talking to people and like, Oh, that's, this is what that is. That's really good. And you're like, Oh, okay. Or uh, I would always go to the young boys. Cause most of them could actually speak pretty good English. And right. there was one kid in uh, new Japan. He was kind of like my go-to. I'd be like, I grab something. I'm like, "Hey, what is this?" And he kind of basically explained to me what it was. I'm like, "Okay, all right, I can eat that," you know, because you get a few <laughs> mysterious items over there every now and then. Of course, yeah. I remember ordering ordering tuna at a Shaba Shaba. I think in the same hotel, and it was a giant bone with tuna on it that I had to pick off. And I said, "Well, that's not what I thought." The two my tuna comes in a packet, so <laughs> right. <laughs> I ate it. I ate it. Not to be disrespectful, and I'm like, I'll never do that again. Yeah, and you know, I don't. I'm sure you had some sponsor dinners too, where they just keep mm -hmm. feeding you. And yeah, you know, I I ate a few things where it was just like, just try it, just try it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so you do, right. but you're like, you're just very apprehensive, I guess. But I mean, most of the, most of the food I had there was very very good. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, what did I think? Something hit me today about what an acquired taste miso soup is. And yes. now I crave me, I crave miso soup. In fact, I, I can't remember what I what today made me think of that, but something made me think of oh, that's an acquired thing, you know, it's an acquired taste. And I thought just like miso soup because miso soup is very much an acquired taste, and now I want it. If I have any type of sushi or anything, I definitely want the miso soup. You know what's weird about that is the very first time I went there, um, I was with Trevor actually, and Bobby Fish was there, and then uh, uh, you know Shane and Mikey from Australia, um, they were there as well. And, mm-hmm. like, Bobby, Shane, and Mikey didn't really like the miso soup. So me and Trevor, anytime we all had a meal, we got, like, <laughs> double miso soup. And I was like, initially, when they said they didn't like it, I'm like, oh, that probably isn't good. But then I tried nice. it, and I'm like, okay, this is actually not too bad. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know you were over in Japan with uh, with the Shane and Mikey. So uh, next time I see – next time I run into Shane, I'll offer him some miso soup. Yeah, actually, one night um, we were all in the hotel, and and Shane, you know, you know how he is. He was, um, he was kind of standing outside his door – just in a t-shirt and his boxers, and Trevor kind of looks at me and grabs his arm, and the door, of course, locks behind him. <laughs> so he made him walk all the way up to the front desk in his underwear, which I thought was pretty funny. Nice. Which, of course, it didn't bother nice. Shane at all, you know. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, That's it's great. it's it's fun time over there. Um, You know, I just, it's weird, like, it's such a long time, but... I don't know about you, but, like, when I would have to leave when it was about time to go, it's like, you start, you kind of start feeling like... A little sad, you know, because it's been a month and you're you're probably ready to get home. You're ready to drive your car, and you know, use American currency and all that stuff. But at the same time, you're like, Ugh, I really like it over here. Yeah, I, I was both. It was I was kind of indifferent. Like I would I would definitely get homesick by that third week. By the you know that end of the third week, I'm ready to go home. But yeah, exactly. I, I'd I'd leave and I go, oh man, but I really really love it here. And I was fortunate enough where I had never had to go through the dojo. But I was always, because I wanted to be in Japan, I would have accepted it, you know. It always thought, I always thought it was weird that my visa was probably for about two or three months, and that I only went for a couple of weeks. Right. I'm like, why, why would you just keep me here? All you gotta do is ask. I'll stay here. I'll stay here and run this out, and then go back home, and then I'll come back for another couple of months, and I will stay here and save you the flight money, you know. I would have, I probably should have just said it, and I didn't. But that also killed, would have killed Harley's, hey, I send the guy here and here. Like, I keep interchanging people out, you know. So, but, right. Uh, and, and I think that that might be part of it. You know, it's like I always kind of thought that. I was like, man, if you if you kept us here every month or two, you know, or at least, you know, sent us home and brought us back, we would start to get over more. And mm-hmm, people exactly. would get more familiar with us. You know what I mean? Because it's one of those things you see someone randomly once, you know, and then you don't see them again for – six months or a year, it doesn't seem as special. Right. Someone like, you know, Bison Smith, I'm sure, you you know, you met him. Like, he was a huge star over there because he was there all the time. Oh, yeah. I love Bison. Love Bison to death. Yeah, I I actually was very – I was unfortunate. The the tour I went to, the first one with Noah, he he was actually – that was like one of the random ones he was not on. Ah. And they they said he usually missed like two or three tours a year, and that happened to be one of them. And um, so I I actually never got to meet him. And then he had passed away before I went back. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, my last, I want to say my last tour, he was there. So I went for one period and it was never properly explained to me, but I went for a period. I had pneumonia on a trip over. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great time. And, uh, this is, which is why I have the Masala tattoo on my forearm in remembrance of him, not just because he brought me over there, but for one of, for an instance like this, where they brought me to room and I was already diagnosed with pneumonia. I'd only worked like two matches. 
and we have another like week or so to go and it ends in Budokan Hall which I had not worked in Budokan ever this is the first time I, I would have gotten to do it and that's such and, a huge place for Japan oh know? man we would we you know so I'd be on the November tour which is cold and this and that and we'd go to Hokkaido we go uh, you know uh, up to Sapporo we do this whole this whole bit which I love Sapporo and then you'd get back, and it's like, okay, we're sending you home. Right before they had a big Budokan Hall show. And I'm like, ah, I want that show. And so this tour where I have pneumonia, um, they pulled me in the office, and Masao's across, or you know, the makeshift office. And uh, Masao's across the room, and they're talking. And he's, of course, fabing, because as we all know, he could speak English, but he faved all the gaijin. Of course. <laughs> Pretty typical and, practice over there. Oh yeah. And he, they're like, we're thinking about sending you home. I go, no, I I can't. I'm like, this is, this is my job. This is how I make money. And they're like, no, like, you know, Sacha Obasawa says, no, we'll pay you. We just don't want you to die. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you're going to pay me. And then even then I'm like, you're going to pay me. And I showed up here like a piece of shit sick. I felt terrible. Sorry for the swear. Um, I, I felt just horrible. And I ended up being okay by the last show, like uh, Mighty Inoue. I don't know if you got to know Mighty at all. He's a ref over there. I don't. I don't. Um, I remember Shu. I don't remember him though. Okay, well, Mighty was an old old time wrestler. He was actually a wrestler. He wrestled for All Japan. Wrestled for the Japanese wrestling JPWA or whatever it was called, like the very old promotion. Um, so he was an old time wrestler, and he was a ref for a while. And Mighty took good, great care of me. And Mighty would check in with me. He's actually the one who took me to the hospital in Osaka to uh, get diagnosed with the pneumonia. And he's like, how are you feeling? You feeling okay? You maybe worked the last show? I said, it's Budokan Hall, Mighty. I want to work. I've never worked it. And I was ready. And they let, we worked. We worked a six-man. And uh, Go took the pin from me. I hit a springboard DDT. And then, as I was t- started this long-ass story... Um, I didn't show back up in Japan for another year and a half. I was like, what did I do? Right. <laughs> is it because I was sick? What happened? And you never know. They're like, oh, maybe you swear too much. And I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> Somebody doesn't like me. Something's up, but you're not telling me the real reason. It was really shitty. And then finally I got another tour. And then I would have been going back again in 06, at late 06. And then lo and behold, in 07 is when I get uh, – so late 06, I have a tour – I got back home and Harley's like, you're going back. Definitely. You know, they loved you. Blah, blah, blah. You're back in the good graces, whatever that means. And then, Oh seven, I got hired after doing the Trump thing. Oh, well, we got to touch on that. Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's Popular. save that for, uh, for part two, if you're cool with it. And I'll, okay. uh, I'll give us a pause here and I'll start us back up. And we're back. We're back. Big thank you to a steel for being on the show. And of course, as I mentioned, he will be on again next week for part two. But big underscore Bane, before we close it up, we got to dive into some Chalkline talk. And let me tell you, dude, Chalkline has had some reveals. There are some weeks where they don't reveal a lot. This week was not one of them. They revealed a ton this week. Yeah. So I got to start off with, with the first thing that, that they showed. It was a pair of unreleased Shredder shorts, almost like Super Shredder. And I don't know if that's necessarily the way they're going for it, but they, uh, they wrote on there unreleased shredder shorts do we drop them and i think uh i think everyone was pretty emphatic like yes these are amazing yeah yeah i mean i i think they look pretty sick yeah so 
really cool stuff. And again, Chalkline has so many fun licenses, Ninja Turtles being one of them, just so much great stuff. We also saw the uh, debut of the Two Dudes with Attitude shorts, which were Shawn Michaels and Diesel, probably like the 95 era. That's a pretty cool pair, you know, kind of got both sides of the shorts there. One side's more Diesel, one side's more Shawn. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Was uh, was that their official tag team name, or is that just something they called themselves? It was kind of their official tag team name, but I don't think they – like they actually had gear that said it. Like they both got gear that yeah. said Two Dudes with Attitude, but – I mean, it didn't last long. I don't think. Ah. Yeah, it's it's. And that terrible, was also ninety five. Like wrestling <laughs> wasn't super hot at that point, you know. Right. Um, we see a jacket of Gerald from Hey Arnold, which is just absolutely ridiculous, but I love it. Yeah. Very nice. Um, let's see. The how about the Bebop and Rocksteady that uh, Fanimation jacket? That's that's pretty sick. Yeah, I dig that, man. I mean, I, I think it looks good. I I'd be afraid to wear white in a jacket. Yeah, that would be that would be. But again, this is such a, a nice looking jacket. It's like you almost don't want to wear it out too much because you don't want to get it dirty, like you said. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it looks great. Now this next one, this one is a shocker to me, and I think is even even more cool. I I could see you really digging these. The Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio shorts. They've done a jacket of this in the past, mm-hmm. but it's from Halloween Havoc 1997, and it actually has the old school Halloween ha- Havoc logo on the shorts. How freaking amazing is that? Yeah, I, I think those shorts are probably my favorite shorts that they've put out. Yeah, I just I love the design. I love the Halloween Havoc logo. I, I'm like, yes, a thousand times yes. Actually, Travis Fowler messaged me. He's like, well. Looks like I'm going to be ordering my first pair of chalkline shorts. <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, good luck, man. They sell out quickly, usually. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, the announcement of uh, Power Ranger stuff is coming. We see the new Green Ranger jacket, mm-hmm. um, which this looks just absolutely incredible. Looks like and, there's two uh, of those. Yeah, there, there's, there's several Power Ranger items uh, in the works here. But... Uh, Two, two Green Ranger jackets and uh, a couple of different Power Ranger jackets. I'm trying to find the second one. I know I saw a second one in here somewhere, but uh, that, was, that was a couple of weeks ago. But we also saw a new Power Ranger jacket reveal, which features all the characters. It looks like the Megazord on there as well, and Zordon and Alpha, which is pretty fun. Yeah, very cool. And then, of course, the Power Ranger shorts that just says the, has the Mighty Morphin logo, but it kind of wraps around the entire side, like one whole side and then the other side, which is fun. Yeah. And then we also saw the debut. Uh, you know, we knew we've known for a while that Chalkline has the license for GI Joe, and they reveal some Snake Eyes and Scarlet shorts, which these are very reminiscent of like the '80s comic, and I think they, these are amazing. Yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah, I dig those a lot. Yeah, very very cool. Love the artwork there. Um, some DX Shawn Michaels shorts, very reminiscent of. Uh, in your house, DX in your house, I believe that was. Yeah. And then, of course, the uh, the GI Joe Fanimation jacket again with the Snake Eyes and Scarlet. That looks really fun too. I really dig that look of that. And then another pair of Power Ranger shorts, similar to that jacket with uh, you see Alpha on the on the back there. The Megazord looks like the Dragon Zord as well. Um, super cool. Has all the Rangers featured on it. I mean, so tons of shorts coming out. Tons of jackets coming out. Um, and then, of course, they just released the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels shorts uh, from Survivor Series 97. Those sold out in like a couple of minutes, I think, both pair. Wow. So that's 
that's incredible. I mean, this stuff is just awesome, man. They're they're constantly surprising me with all the new releases they have. Yeah. Um I don't think I don't think you mentioned this one though, but they got that WWE No Mercy jacket. No, that's that's a uh that's not a thing. That's just a uh something that they made, but that's not a real jacket. Oh, they're not they're not actually making that. If you look at it, it says not for sale, like ah, in the okay. hashtags. I was going to say because Yeah, that, that was just something that they made for fun, but yeah. That would the have been front looks badass. like all the uh, cartridges, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that I think that would be great. They released those WCW NWO Chalkline shorts when Chalkline mm-hmm. was written like Revenge. Yeah. Which I think that was their way of getting around it. And I would love to see more stuff like that, especially with like No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000 and all that stuff. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, so tons of tons of great stuff from Chalkline. So check all that out. Um, anything else you want to add before we get out of here, man? Uh, I say we just plug it up. Well, so one quick thing I want to mention is, you know, last week you played uh, the Transformers Tiger Electronics game, and of course we had to Skype it this week, so not 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 able to get together. So you're not going to be able to play the next game, but that will we'll do that next week and uh, eventually let Big Underscore Bane play all four of the Tiger games and kind of kind of give a, a quick review as they go but but really nothing else i want to add so i guess we can just talk about our other podcasting partners of course um the fully posable wrestling figure podcast jeff and scott dropping a new show every sunday talking all things wrestling figures highly recommend checking out that show even though even though jeff does not like radical skedaddle bang and he compared it to windex and and i'll tell you this we should have put them at the very last of the plugs because jeff did the same to us on last week's episode. He he's he was going to start out talking about us, and then he stopped, and then he started talking about doing the favor and all the other guys, and then came back around to us. I'm a little. I, I Jeff's really want wanting that smoke, man, and I'm about I'm about to you know give him the heat. Say, hey, I got a gift for you. Sorry, I didn't have time to wrap it. Yeah, I'm gonna slap right to your face. Yeah, pal. You're, you're you're barking up a tree you, you don't want to be barking up. I don't. <laughs> I'm off my game today, Breaker. It's well, hey, I, I get you, man. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. I I just got off nights, so I am like you. You messaged me, and I was like still like literally still asleep. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm 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 getting going here, but I, I'm definitely not up and running. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's one of those things. We don't always have good game days, but no. you know, we make it happen. Uh, so check out Fully Posable, even though they're they're kind of giving us crap for liking Radical Skedaddle. I mean, come yeah. on. I mean, Scott's like, a great guy. Scott, it's it's all Jeff. It's all you Jeff. Know Jeff is the root of all their problems. He is the root of all of Fully Posable's like, evil. How many enemies does this guy have? Right. You know, come on. And apparently, got, he, he wants to. Barry. Yeah. I mean, he, I know he, him and Bill Benis don't get along either, which I mean, I can't fault him there, but. Gosh dang! You you talk crap about radical skedaddle, you're gonna have some beefs. Yeah, you're gonna get the horns, pal. <laughs> and then of course uh, we also got wreck my podcast with Jordan Zeilinger and all those guys over there uh, dropping new shows all the time. I actually just started listening to um, a show they did a few months ago on Georgia the Jungle, which is really fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. So and Jordan moved to Texas, but they're still get, keeping the show going, which I, I'm proud of that because I know Skype's never the same. And I think they were all kind of in that routine of all getting together and doing the podcast. But I'm glad they're still able to make it happen. Yeah, for sure. I, I know that's got to be tough being you know that that far away. But I'm I'm glad they're still going on with the show because it's such a good show. 
Yeah, and that was that was kind of my concern is when he announced he was moving. I was just like, oh man, because I know, you know, Jeff and Scott they Skype it, and then Eric and Barry Skype it and stuff like that. But a lot of that is just it's not. It's great that we have this luxury of being able to do that, and you know we're doing it this week. But it's not always. Typically, we always get together, and I think that kind of makes the podcast. Because it's hard for me to read a reaction from you if I can't see you. You know what I mean? It's just a little right. bit different. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit different for sure. Of course, check out the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast with Steve and Eric. Dropping new shows all the time, talking all things retro wrestling. Uh, doing the favor with Eric and Barry. Great show. Super hilarious guys. Highly recommend it. They love Bill Benis, but you know Bill Benis has been away, so they haven't really been, you know, talking up the big Bill Benis game. So I, I feel like I like them a little bit more right now. Yeah, and I'll tell you, they might not like him when, after this season. He has been on a tear this season. Uh, we're because we're right in the thick of it recording, and he has just been. I, I was straight up yelling at him the other day. Oh, I love it, and it was just. Like my God, the the man has got to calm down. I don't I don't know what is going on with him, but uh, it's 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 been getting heated, and I don't know. Well, you know, it, once we get our fifty five star reviews, and I'm able to slap him right in his face, yeah, I want to let him know, like, hey, you know, Eric and you know, and Barry were two of those reviews. Yeah. So well, I I mean, it's just a those chop. Those two plus. What's that now? <laughs> it's just a chop. You're not slapping him in the face. Well. <laughs> That's true, but I, I I was gonna throw a slap in there too, just because. Oh, you know, okay. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, definitely definitely a chop. But I think I'm gonna slap him in the face just when I see him again, just because. You know? Ah, yeah. Well, see, and that's fine. Yeah, and and that that was a really fun thing, you know. Absolutely. Was one of my was one of my highlights of this year. Yeah. So check out doing the favor. Check out uh, trivia with buds with Ryan Buds dropping a new podcast every single day. Um, I don't know if he's able to do uh, bar shows yet again in California. I'm not sure how opened up they are yet, but hopefully hopefully soon. And then, of course, Elite Eight Showdown with old Big Chuck and Tim France. Um, if you want just a complete hour of nonsense, that's Elite Eight Showdown right there. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's it's a fun kind of ridiculous little podcast, man. It really is. It's, yeah. uh, I actually just got done recording. I know you recorded with him. Your episode should be coming up soon. Um I don't know if it'll be next week or the week after, but I know you recorded with him a few weeks after I or before I did, and um, I mean it was it's a fun show. It, it's a fun show to even be a part of. You know, it's it's pretty cool. It, it, it really is. It's a uh, big Chuck is kind of right in his element there with the insanity. So he really is. Um, yeah, I did an episode uh, when it drops. It will be on like the top eight things that make you excited about wrestling, which I think is fun. So yeah, kinda, absolutely. Kind of going with, uh, with my expertise there, which is fun. So yeah, yeah check it out. Elite eight showdown, a uh, ringside rant with RJ. Check out his show. Always dropping, um, a new show. I think every Wednesday with a special guest, highly recommend checking it out. Leisure and Lariat's podcast with ruthless Ryan Davidson. I believe he drops a new show every single Friday. He's had some guests on recently. Uh, highly recommend checking out that show. And it's usually not super long, usually 45 minutes-ish. So yeah. nice, easy, quick listen on, on your Fridays. Definitely. And then wrap it up, Boots to the Face. Check out their show. Uh, I, I just listened to their episode where they kind of discussed All Out and SummerSlam and NXT and all that good stuff. Really, really fun um, take on a on wrestling you know from from a different perspective which i always think is fun absolutely 
And then, of course, uh, Jason Wolf at Jason WLF. Actually, that's not it. It's Art of Jason Wolf. I always mess that up. Um, <laughs> he changed his handle on me, damn it. But, uh, you know, he's uh, he's got those Hasbro Halloween shirts. I just ordered that the other day. That should be arriving soon. I'm excited to get that. Yeah. And doing sketch cards, commissions, all kinds of great stuff. Jason Wolf is an awesome dude. If you need some artwork, I could not recommend him enough. Did you say you're getting that Hasbro Ween shirt? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. See, I ordered that too. Mine should be uh, coming in at some point. It's 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 shipped already, but I guess it takes like uh, five to eight days or something like that. It's like the standard shipping. He had a few different designs. Which one did you order? I ordered. I can't remember which one I ordered. Um, I can't remember, but it was <laughs> it was one of the ones where it was like the it wasn't the one that was just straight up the skeleton. It was the skeleton inside the the uh, silhouette of the body. Yeah, I think. Well, so there's a couple of different ones. There's one that just says Hasbro Ween in two different colors, and there's ones that are just the skeletons. I got the ones that says that says Happy Hasbro Ween, and it has them all like on like how they were on the card. Okay, so, see, I think mine. I I think mine just says Hasbroween with the Hasbros on it. I right, think. so they're sli- slightly different, but but pretty cool. Yeah. So hopefully uh, we'll be getting those in uh, before too long. So give him a follow at the Art of Jason Wolf. Uh, to be the man and evil ain't good. Uh, to be the man, evil ain't good. And Grapple Hold, if you like wrestling comic books, highly recommend checking that out. Of course, Grapple Hold was written by uh, one of our good buddies, Dave Thomas. So check yeah. uh, check out. Those, if you like wrestling comic books, uh, Breaker and Bane's Power Pro Wrestling for the NES. You can pick it up from Pack and Sack Dave. Uh, his website is in our show notes. And who knows, maybe Breaker and Bane's Power Pro Wrestling 2 will be happening before too long. I think it should. And then, uh, of course, all of Bane's music over on Spotify, Apple, wherever you stream your music. Pick it up and check it out. Do it. And then, of course, we have our other podcasts, uh, Back to the Nintendo, which I, we drop a new show every Friday, and we just dropped this week, um, Total Recall. Yeah. So you might uh, you might enjoy the Schwarzenegger movie. Maybe you don't. I don't know. It does have a woman with three breasts in there. So that's <laughs> always entertaining. Always, always and, a good thing. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean the game is good, though. So see how the game is going to unfold. Check that out right now. And, of course, I know you've already mentioned it. You're in studio. You're recording. I think that premiere is probably getting closer and closer. No holds barred with Bill Venus. Yeah. As the day this drops, this podcast drops, there is nine days until the season, season premiere. Wow. It is coming very soon. Uh, so y'all better, y'all better get your uh, headache pills ready because you're going to need them. Get the headache pills ready. Yeah. Oh, man. That should be a shirt for old Bill Venus. <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com forward slash bbph join our patreon one dollar three dollar or five dollar tiers get you the energy shot mm-hmm. um plus uh news and things we got coming up in fact we got a new project coming up yes we kind of talked about it a little bit uh our, the uh, the wrestling game man it's gonna be super fun the um phpw yeah it's good it's gonna um, be fun times i'm pretty excited about that excited to launch it mm- me too. I think we're going to launch that early October. So I think everyone will be blown away with what we have here. It's it's going to be it's going to be pretty fun. 
Yeah, and if you're not blown away the first couple of weeks, the more it goes once we kind of get our, our feet wet in this whole endeavor, I think everybody will really enjoy it because it's it's a, it's a it's been a learning curve for me to, like, edit video and stuff like that. <laughs> so Right, and it just there's going to be a lot. It's going to get a little bit crazier, too, as the weeks go on as well. Yes, and so, the, like I said, the more we get our feet wet in this whole, whole endeavor, I think the more people are going to really enjoy it. And uh, we're going to have our first pay-per-view at the end of October, and that'll be really fun. Absolutely. Now, also, too, you can be a, a character in this. If you're a patron, you're already in. Like, yeah. So that's – if you want to be, like – ahead of the curve that's the way to get on there is uh to become a patron well and also too being a patron puts you in that main event spot yes you're a featured character not just not just there but a featured character right but yeah it's absolutely gonna be good stuff I'm, I'm looking forward to it of course we also have outsiders beard co and average panda gear Yes, outside. You know, it, I was talking about recording with Charlie Shaw uh, earlier. Big Chuck, he actually brought up a very good point about Outsiders Beard Co. And that is that while you're wearing these masks and stuff like that, it it really damages the beard, and that's where you get the split ends and stuff like that. So right now is the best time for you to start using that beard oil and really mm-hmm. condition and get those nutrients back in there. So check it out, OutsidersBeardCo.com, um, AveragePandaGear.com. Just as of this recording, just uploaded a brand new t- T-shirt for um, for Halloween. It's going to be a limited edition. It's going to go away the day after Halloween. So it's um, spooky sets and ghostly gains. So check, I love it. Check it out. Um, yeah, just literally for a limited time. So if you're into that Halloween gear, then check it out. Uh, AveragePandaGear.com. Boom, check it out. Great stuff. And then, of course, all of our other shirts you can find at uh, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash Brian Breaker, bbph.redbubble.com, and watermaneuver.net. We have two stores there. Big underscore Bane has his own store, and we have the Breaker and Bane's Power Hour store with that brand new G.I. Joe-inspired design, which looks awesome. Yes. And uh, that, I think, honestly, would be pretty cool to pair up with the the G.I. Joe shorts from Chalkline. That'd be pretty fun. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, man. So anything else you want to add before we get out of here, man? Last thing, just make sure you hit that rate and review. That way we can uh, have Breaker Chop Bill Venus to hell. That, that's right. So 55-star reviews, and you will see a video. Not a, not audio. I'm talking a video. Yeah. We're gonna, Bill Venus, we're gonna unbeknownst to shit. him, getting chopped from me. Yeah. And I think since we launched this, we have gotten four reviews. So yeah. we need, what, 46 more? And I'm sure there's some that haven't come through yet. So 46 reviews, that's that's incredibly doable. So if you're listening now and you haven't reviewed, please throw us a review. That's all we ask, just a quick little five stars. You can make a comment if you want. You don't necessarily have to do that, but... Uh, and it, the more we can get, the quicker it'll be. And who does not want to see Bill Venus get chopped? I mean, come on. Yeah. I know out there you're listening. You want to see him get chopped. Even Bill's mother sent me a text and was like, I would love to see Bill get chopped. And I was like, old lady Venus, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Old, old grandma Venus. She, she was all about it. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Anyway, thank you guys for checking out Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. I'm Brian Breaker. I'm Bane. And we will see you guys in seven days. Peace easy. Yeah.
One more time. <laughs> it ain't over till I say it's over. So lock the cage up, cause this is a takeover. The wait's over. If this the final time we meet, then you'll be on your back on my feet. Then I'll tip the cage over as a hangover. I'm super fly, so I can splash off the top. And I can shut down the shop. Like Randy Savage, I'm the cream of the crop. And I'm always gonna rise to the top. People's champ like the rock. I do not give a fuck, so let that shit drop. Man, I'm so over. Double pistols. What'd you think? It's good. It was really good. Pretty good. That son of a bitch, Eric Barker. You son of a bitch. Can I dig it? Nailed it. Nailed it. Perfect. Put, put it on the internet.